What's up, everyone? Welcome back. It is Tuesday, or no, it is Wednesday, rather, November 21st. I am a, uh, a day late, uh, but I yesterday was the last day of, of school before break, so I wanted to get as much work as I could done yesterday and and then do a show today because I knew I had nothing going on. So today's Wednesday, not Tuesday. We are a day away from Thanksgiving, ladies and gentlemen. So happy Thanksgiving to y'all. And the thing that really kind of upsets me about this time of year is the the Christmas commercials. Like it's not even Thanksgiving and, and they start playing Christmas commercials like immediately after Halloween. And it's really, really annoying. It's almost like we just kind of skip over Thanksgiving. It doesn't even really matter. We skip straight to the Christmas commercials. They don't even have Thanksgiving commercials, really. Something that just kind of grinds my gears, and I hate when people put up Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving's even over. And It's just almost like our country as a whole kind of just skips over Thanksgiving and doesn't care about it as much. And I understand for media purposes and, and businesses, they want to... They want to start selling stuff early and things like that. And, you know, Black Friday is, uh, it starts on Thanksgiving Day. So I understand all that stuff, but it's just, I think it's kind of sad that our country just kind of skips over Thanksgiving like it's nothing. Um, but something you guys may have noticed from last episode, if you, if you uh, listen to the last episode, I have got some new cover art on my uh, for my podcast on my podcast page, Twitter page, if you follow me on Twitter. Um, one of my best friends, uh, his name's John Crock. Uh, he's a really good artist. He's been a friend of mine since elementary school and just a, a really, really good artist. Does some great stuff. And I, and I asked him, hey man, could you put something together for me? And he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And he put together that that picture, and that picture is definitely different than the one I had previously. I look nothing like the one from previously. As you can tell, I've got a beard and a man bun now. Uh, I've let my hair grow wild since then. I've got a full beard. It's it's completely different, and it might be you know different for you guys to look at, uh, but I really like it. And if you want to follow my friend John Crock, he posts a lot of his artwork on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow him to to, to see what he's doing and, and see what kind of artwork he puts out there, you can follow him on Twitter at jkrock27. It's at jkrak27. And then on Instagram, it's the same thing, jkrak27. So follow him on both, of their, on both Twitter and Instagram to check out some of his latest artwork. Uh, he's really good at what he does. And... Yeah, thank you, John Crock, for for putting together this cover art for my show. All right, so I want to start with the Chiefs and Rams from Monday night. The, literally, the probably the the best game of the year to this point in the NFL season, and one of the greatest games of all time. It's the third most points scored in a game in NFL history. I believe it was it was fifty four fifty one. So uh, over 100 points scored, 105 points put together, and the record is 113 points in a game. 
And unbelievably, the Chiefs are the first team to score 50 points and lose. Think about that. That's incredible. You score 50 points and you still lose the game. And a lot of people would think this is just this was just an offensive game, battle between offenses. There were three defensive touchdowns scored in this game. The Rams had two defensive touchdowns, and and the Chiefs had a defensive touchdown. I mean, these quarterbacks were taking shots, strip sacks. Samson Ibukum for the Rams had two touchdowns himself on defense. And I mean, it was just an incredible game. Both quarterbacks were just sensational. Jared Goff had over 400 pa- passing yards. He had four passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. So he was responsible for 35 of their 54 points. And then Mahomes, he himself had over 400 passing yards as well, and he had six passing touchdowns. Now, he did have three interceptions, but, I mean, for him to throw three interceptions and then still be in the game, I think that's incredible. And Tyree Kill had over 200 yards receiving and two touchdowns. I mean... The cheetah was running wild Monday night. And I mean, this was just a fantastic game. Absolutely amazing game to watch. Kind of hurt my fantasy team a little bit. I had Robert Woods. He had a touchdown early and then really didn't do much after that. And the person I was playing against had three players. He had the he had Greg Zerline, Todd Gurley, and Brandon Cooks. And he ended up beating me by four. The funny thing is, is I have the Rams defense, but I I benched them this week for the Bears because obviously the Rams are playing the Chiefs. You'd think, oh, it's going to be an offensive, you know, juggernaut game and and the Rams weren't going to have any points, but they had two defensive touchdowns and I would have won had I played the the Rams over the Chicago Bears. And so it's kind of disappointing. I'm four and seven on the year now. I'm ninth in, in a 10-team league. So things are not looking too hot. Believe it or not, there is still a chance I could make the playoffs. We take the top six. And basically what I need to happen is I need to win the rest of my games. And six through eight need to lose the rest of theirs. And I hold the tiebreaker over the person in sixth place currently because I beat them earlier in the year. So if we were to tie at six and seven, I would be sixth in the league. And I would make the playoffs. And that and that's actually what happened to me last year. I was six and seven, made the playoffs as a sixth seed last year, and I ended up going to the championship game championship game and I lost uh because Antonio Brown was hurt. So I didn't really have a chance in that game. But we'll see what happens. I've had a terrible fantasy year. I've got good players, they just don't they just don't play well in fantasy football, I guess. Um but I mean, what an unbelievable game uh, Monday night! And Rams now are going to be ten and one on the season. Chiefs fall to nine and two. But I still think, believe it or not, that the Chiefs are the better team than the Rams. Uh, and for the for the Chiefs to throw th- have five total turnovers and three of them be interceptions. And give up a def- two defensive touchdowns, and still be in the game at the end, under two minutes to go. 
I, I don't think the Rams would be able to do that if the if, if it was flipped. I don't think the Rams would be able to hang around if the Chiefs had scored two defensive touchdowns and had five total turnovers. I don't. I just don't think the Rams would have been able to do that. I don't think the Patriots would be able to do that. And I, I don't think I, the Saints. I don't even know if they would be able to do that. The Chiefs are really, really good. And I think they're a better team than the Rams still, despite the loss Monday night. So with that, we're going to jump right into the Ford Food Chain top 10 teams in the NFL after week 11. So we've got some changes to the list this week. Some teams have shifted places, moved around, and we also have a new team in at number 10, the Indianapolis Colts. They started off the year really, really poorly. But over the last several weeks, Andrew Luck has had great protection. He has not been sacked one time in the past three or four games. Offensively, Andrew Luck is hes playing better than I thought he would coming off injury. He's not turning the ball over as often. T.Y. Hilton is a beast. Their defense is a, it's a little weak. Their pass rush has kind of faded away. But it's still, it's it's an okay enough defense to win games. They've won four games in a row after starting off one and five. So I really like where the Colts are headed. And they're looking really, really good. And I like them to make the playoffs as a wild card. And I believe I had them as a wild card behind the Texans this year, if I'm not mistaken. Number nine, Carolina Panthers falling falling down. Uh, they they lost the game to the Detroit Lions the other day because of their kicker Graham Gano. Gano missed a extra point and also missed uh, another field goal that was inside forty yards, I believe. And so when the Panthers scored a touchdown late in the game, they were down one. They decided to go for two for the win because they didn't trust Gano which I, I agree with the move to go for two. They didn't get it, end up losing the game. And, you know, it's just kind of what happens. But I still think this team is a really good team. They're above 500 in a tough NFC. They're definitely going to land a wild card spot if they finish above 500 on the year. I really like this team. I I, I love the Colts, and I was tempted to put the Colts over the Panthers. But since the Colts are just, you know, coming up, they've won a few games in a row, I'll put them at 10. Panthers at 9. Number 8. This is also a tough one. I think I'm going to go with the with the Los Angeles Chargers. It's They, they, they lost a, a tough game to the Broncos. They, they had some turnovers. Now they're still 7-3. and three. They're still a really, really good team, and they're still my pick in the AFC to make it to the Super Bowl. But they, they've not played fantastic football over the last couple weeks. Their offense has kind of sputtered. Phillip Rivers has turned the ball over a little bit. He's having a tremendous year with not turning the ball over. But the last couple weeks, it's kind of looked a little shaky. But I still love the Chargers. The Chargers are just behind this team at number seven, but not by much. Number seven is the Chicago Bears. Mitch Trubisky just looks so good. He has developed really well under Matt Nagy. 
This offense looks really nice. Anthony Miller has really emerged, the receiver out of Memphis, the rookie. And then defensively, they've got probably the best defense in the league. I know they're the best fantasy football defense in 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 fantasy because I have them. <laughs> um, but this is a really good team. They're on the up and up. Now they're gonna be without Mitch Trubisky this Thursday on Thanksgiving Day against the Lions due to a shoulder injury. But I still think they can win that game with their defense and their ability to to move the ball on offense with their running backs. I think they'll be fine. But after this past week beating the Vikings, a really good Vikings team, the Bears, number seven. Number six is the Houston Texans. Texans have won seven in a row since starting 0-3, and only one other team has been able to do that in the history of the NFL. And they've just really turned it around. Deshaun Watson has played good enough in some games. That's it's kind of how the Texans have won these games is good enough. They really haven't dominated anybody with the exception of the Dolphins. But defensively, with J.J. Watt and Clowney and Whitney Merciless and those guys, and Lamar Miller has, has reemerged as a great running back. DeAndre Hopkins, Demarius Thomas. This team's... This team's good. They're going to win their division. And they're a threat in the AFC to to make some noise. Although I love the Chargers. Number five is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers are 7-2-1. and one. They're looking really, really good. And James Conner has proven to be an, an excellent running back. Now, he didn't have a great game against the Jaguars last week. But what was great about that game is just the resiliency of the Steelers. To be down 10 points in the final couple minutes of the game and still win it in regulation says a lot. It says a lot about the Jaguars, but it says a lot about Big Ben and the Steelers. Big Ben threw three picks and really just, just kept firing, put the team on his back, and, and led them to a victory and had the game-winning rushing touchdown at the end. This team's just on a roll right now. They've put that noise of, of Le'Veon Bell behind them. Mike Tomlin is a great coach. Steelers at five, and they're going to win their division, and they could potentially see home field throughout the course of the playoffs if the Chiefs were to fall off, which I don't foresee happening. But they're they're a really good team. Number Four New England Patriots. Um, I say this every week. I say this every time I bring up the Patriots. They're the Patriots. James White and Sonny Michelle. It's an outstanding running back tandem. Tom Brady's the GOAT. Gronk is starting to get a little bit healthier. Josh Gordon has proven to be a, a great outside threat for Brady. And obviously we know what Edelman and Hogan can do. And their defense isn't great, but they've never had a great defense. They've never had an outstanding defense with tremendous pass rushers and corners and and safeties. They've always been a good enough defense, and that's all they ever need. As long as you have Tom Brady back there at quarterback and just someone who can catch the ball in a bend that and a defense that bends but doesn't break, 
they're going to be a f- the favorite every year in the AFC. And I thought they were going to have a little bit of a hangover this year from the Super Bowl, but they just keep doing what they're doing. Number three, the Rams are going to slide up from five to three. Uh, their defense, obviously, it's, it takes a lot of hits. It, it gets gashed a lot. And that was proven by the high-powered Chiefs offense. But for them to be able to find a pass rush and force two strip sacks and and score off of them, I think that's I think that's a good sign for their defense that they're able to find a pass rush now. And offensively, they've just been doing what they've been doing all year. Jared Goff looks like an elite quarterback. I really, really like what the Rams are doing, although I still think they're vulnerable in their secondary, which was proven this past Monday. Number two, Chiefs, baby. Patrick Mahomes is my MVP for the for the regular season to this point. He's just played incredible. He leads the league in touchdowns. He leads the league in passing yards. At his Young age, granted he has a ton of weapons around him, but at his age to be able to do what he's doing, uh, slinging the ball around, he is so much like Brett Favre, it's unreal. Slinging the ball everywhere, extreme, extreme talent. And defensively, they found a pass rush the other day, and their run defense is actually better than giving credit for. They only, they held Gurley to a minimal stat line the other night. And I think that's a good sign for them moving forward that they're going to be able to stop the run, uh, especially against a running back like Todd Gurley in an offensive line uh, of the caliber of, of the Rams. Chiefs at two, really, really like them in the IFC right now. They're probably going to win their division and be home field throughout the playoffs. But I still like the Chargers. But for right now, the Chiefs are the second best team in the league. And the number one. Sticking with the New Orleans Saints. They absolutely crushed the Eagles. The other day. On Sunday. Crushed them. Held the Eagles to seven points. I mean. I I really thought that this was going to be a shootout. Especially with the Saints secondary being a little weak. I thought this was going to be a shootout game, but I did not expect it to be a blowout like it was. Saints defense, you can't run the football on them. Uh, They've shown a better ability to stop the pass, defend the pass. And offensively, with Michael Thomas, Kamara, Ingram, I mean, and Drew Brees is having a sensational year. I put him second right behind Pat Mahomes for MVP right now. He's only thrown one interception on the year. I mean, he's just playing lights out. And I love the Saints. My pick in the NFC to make it to the Super Bowl. And they just look really good. And they're my number one team once again for the Ford food chain after week 11. All right. So a lot of stuff happened over the weekend in football. Plenty of stuff happened. We had 
some injuries, some some new starting quarterbacks, some starting quarterback drama, uh, and and some other things going on. Alex Smith is going to be out for the rest of the season with a fractured fibula and tibia. And this is really, really, if you look at everything with this situation, like the date it occurred, the scores, the um, and everything like that, this was really, really uncanny how similar this situation was to Joe Theismann 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago. So if any of you out there remember Joe Theismann, former quarterback for the Redskins 30 plus years ago, he had the same injury on the same leg. He fractured his fibula and tibia. And I don't know if you remember, but when Lawrence Taylor tackled him, his bone was actually stuck in the in the turf. And, I mean, that was just a sick sight to see. So, Joe Theismann and Alex Smith had the same injury on the same leg on the same date, November 18th, exactly 33 years later. They were both injured on the third sack of the game. And Romeo Cornell, who's the defensive coordinator for the Texans, was on the field for both instances. So he was coaching during the Giants-Redskins game 33 years ago. And he was coordinating for the for the Texans 33 years later. It's just a, that's just crazy how similar this was. And it's really unfortunate for Alex Smith because they the Redskins have actually put together a solid season. I think they've surprised some people uh, in the NFC East. A lot of people thought the, the Eagles would be up there. They thought the Cowboys would be a little bit better. And a lot of people thought the Giants were going to bounce back. And everyone just kind of pegged the Redskins near the bottom of the league. Or near the NFC, rather. And they're leading the division right now. Now, obviously, they're not going to win the division without Alex Smith. They're just not going to have that quarterback play. But they're going to have Colt McCoy in at quarterback who's... He's okay. He's serviceable. But they're not going to win their division. They're playing the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. It's not going to it's not looking too good especially with the way the Cowboys are playing right now coming off of two straight wins. But we'll we'll see what happens with that, but that's just a insane situation. It's crazy how how things happen the way they do. All right. So once again, we've got some quarterback drama in Tampa Bay, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston. They're back and forth in terms of who starts week by week. It it continues to go on. Fitzpatrick started against the Giants through three interceptions. They were getting blown out by the Giants and they benched him and Winston came in, almost brought him back and almost won the game. And this is just kind of a week by week thing. And I, Honestly, this is what they're going to have. They're going to have to start one guy in the first half and play the other guy in the second half because that's the only way they're going to win games. Like Fitzpatrick plays well in, in the first half and then he starts playing crappy in the second half and then they bench him and then they bring in Winston and Winston plays lights out and then Winston starts the next week, plays great in the first half, sucks in the second half. They bring in Fitzpatrick and he almost comes back and wins the game. It's it's just insane 
You just need to stop. And I don't know. It seems like both of them are trying to lose the job desperately and they keep outdoing each other. And they're going to need a quarterback next year that the Bucks will. Jameis Winston is too immature. Cannot handle the off-the-field issues. Cannot be the face of the franchise with the off-the-field issues that he has. And obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the guy. He works for a couple games, as you saw this season, but he's not the guy. The the Bucks, they're going to have to go find a quarterback, whether they sign somebody or they draft somebody, and this draft is kind of weak as far as quarterbacks go. I don't know what they need to do, but someone they should consider is Colin Kaepernick. I'm going to keep saying this. The Redskins should have considered Colin Kaepernick when when Alex Smith went down, but they ended up signing Mark Sanchez uh, to back up Colt McCoy. I mean, honestly, next season, go out and get Kaepernick. I mean, just do it. The guy deserves a job. And he's not going to get one, but he deserves a job. And, and maybe he's not going to be a starter in this league, but he... He should be on a team at least backing up. He would be a great backup. I would take him as my backup on the Cowboys. I'll say that right now. I'll take him. I don't care about the noise. I want him to play football. If he wants to take a knee, let him take a knee. It doesn't matter to me. It's his right to do so. But. Yeah, I I just don't know what's going on with Tampa Bay. They need to figure it out. One guy needs to just figure out how to play consistently. And. Honestly, they should just let them alternate halves because their their season's a wash, but they might as well just test out a two-quarterback system, have one start the game, and have one finish the game. That's crazy. Now, Lamar Jackson, we're going to shift gears to Lamar Jackson. He got his first start of his career against the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. Joe Flacco was hurt, so they, they brought in Lamar Jackson. Uh, they ended up winning the game, but Lamar Jackson had a very, uh, very uh, odd play style. the The game plan was for him to run the ball. He ran the ball twenty seven times and and rushed for over a hundred yards. and And really, I think he only threw for a little over a hundred yards passing. And that kind of style of play is unsustainable in this league. RG3 did it when he first came in. He wasn't an elite thrower of the football. Was a much better runner. One rookie of the year, he was playing great and then and he was he was wowing everyone with his legs. But then he took too many shots and now he's a backup, you know. He's he's not the same as what he used to be. And so Lamar Jackson's style of play that's completely unsustainable. Now, if you wanted to draw up about eight to 10 designed runs a game. I think that's fine. You're doing your read options and quarterback draws. Yeah, sure. Do that. But there's no reason why Lamar Jackson should be running the football 27 times a game. And to me, that that game plan where he was running so often, it, it tells it, it tells me a lot about the the coaching staff of the Ravens and their faith in Jackson as a thrower. I mean, this guy's been practicing now for, you know, 11 or 10, 11 weeks. There's been training camp. They drafted him for a reason. 
And obviously they're just not seeing enough to, to draw up passing plays for him. And the only way Lamar Jackson is going to get better as a thrower is if you put him in situations where he is forced to throw the ball. You can't let Lamar Jackson be comfortable and let him run the ball. Number one, he's not going to get any better. Number two, is his career is going to be really short and he's going to be a bust. Yes, you won the game and it worked, but there's no way that another team is going to let that happen the following week. It's just not, that's just not how the league works. It's not how it works. We've got a lot of NFL stuff to cover today, so we're going to move on to Jalen Ramsey and the Jaguars. The Jaguars have had a terrible season to this point. Uh, And there's been talks that Jalen Ramsey could be traded uh, next offseason, after this season. Um, And they want to put together a blockbuster deal. And I I think the Jaguars should consider doing this because, number one, he's going to cost you a lot of money in the next couple years once his rookie deal expires. And... He talks way too much. Now, he's a great corner. He's a top five corner in this league. But he just talks way too much. And there's games where he just doesn't show out. He just doesn't play well. And I think I think you would get a huge payoff, a huge amount in return for Jalen Ramsey if you were to package him in a deal. He's a easily one of the top five best corners in all of football. You're going to get a huge amount in return. You're probably going to get multiple first round picks or, you know, firsts and seconds. And I mean, you could even trade him for a quarterback. You might, you may want to package him for a guy like Derek Carr from the Jags. I'm sure the, I'm not sure if the Raiders would do that though, because they're going to have to give up some picks. Maybe they may have to give up a pick or two, and I think they're trying to stockpile picks, but that would really help their defense getting a guy like Jalen Ramsey. Um, not sure who else they would be able to trade for at the quarterback position, but I mean, I think it's a move they they should make because their defense, their secondary is still going to be good without Jalen Ramsey. They have Boye. And you can go out and get another player that's going to cost you less money. You can draft guys. I mean, the Cowboys have some really young corners, but they play really well. They're not great. They're not spectacular like Jalen Ramsey, but they're really young. They're they're good enough. They play well. And they're going to be relatively cheap in the future. I would do it if I was the Jags and trade Jalen Ramsey. And now the Browns, uh, as many of you guys know, fired their head coach, Hugh Jackson, several weeks ago. And Greg Greg Williams is the interim head coach as of right now. But there's rumors swirling around that the Browns were considering uh, interviewing Secretary of former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice as their next head coach. And... 
the Browns have denied all rumors and and said they'd have no idea what what they're doing at head coach. But I, I do not think they should hire Condoleezza Rice. And I'm not saying the NFL shouldn't hire women on their staffs staffs and in their front offices. But I don't think the the Browns should just hire I don't think they should hire her specifically. She's a super fan of the Browns. Yes, she may know football, but this is this is the problem with with hiring women is because because women don't have they haven't had coaching jobs in football. They don't have a lot of experience. And and I really, I really want women to have equal opportunity to coach in all major professional sports. And I think they deserve that equal opportunity. We're seeing it in basketball, and we're, you know, we're seeing it in the NBA. I, and we we haven't seen it in the MLB or the NFL yet. There are women out there who know football. They understand the game of football. But experience is the only thing, and. NFL players aren't going to get behind a person who doesn't have the experience coaching or playing. And I just, I think that's just a real, no, but the only, the, obviously the only way to get experience is to, is to do it. But I just don't know if, I don't know if coach, women coaching in the NFL is going to happen in in the near future, and I I don't think Condoleezza Rice is gonna be their next head coach of the Browns. I do think female coaching should happen in the future. It, it should definitely be a thing. Women should definitely have the opportunity. But I think where they need to start is with front office rules. That if you start hiring women in the front office and and hiring them as your GMs, your general managers, your or other parts of of your organization. They can gain experience there because they're going to know players, they're going to know teams, they're going to know how to build a franchise. And from there, I think you can get them into coaching. But I don't think there's any way right now where a team's just going to hire a woman as their, not necessarily their head coach, but just as a, as a coach on the staff, whether it be a coordinator or or a position coach, things like that. I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. It should happen. There should be equal opportunity. And there, it's just, NFL players, I just don't think they're going to get behind having a, a coach who doesn't have the experience. Because a coach who doesn't know what they're talking about, players are just going to want them out right away. Or if they don't have the experience and, and don't understand what the players go through, they're not going to get behind that either. And it's just a really tough, tough thing. You know, women deserve the opportunity to have positions in sports franchises whether it be organizationally or on the coaching staff. But I think it needs to, I think jobs need to be created for uh, within the organization first in terms of 
management of the team, whether it be a general manager slot, front office roles. And then from there, you can have them be put on the field in a coaching situation. I think that's how you can do it. So don't get me wrong. I just want to clarify. Not saying that women shouldn't be coaches. They should be. But I don't think the Browns should hire her as a coach, Condoleezza Rice, uh, just because I just don't think it would work out. I think you need to start seeing front office roles being filled first before you see coaching. Okay. So, we're a day away from Thanksgiving. And we've got several games going on tomorrow. So I'm going to do my Thanksgiving Day predictions for each game. We've got three games going on tomorrow. And then on Friday, my next episode, episode 43, we'll do the other primetime predictions for... The, the four o'clock games on Sunday, Sunday Night Football, and Monday Night Football. We'll do all those on Friday. But today I want to do the Thanksgiving Day games. Bears versus Lions. That'll be at 1 o'clock. And the Bears are going to be at the Lions. They're without Mitch Trubisky. And Chase Daniels is going to be there. They're starting quarterback for, for this game. This is kind of a tough one to call because I think Trubisky's played great and Chase Daniel is, is going to start. But I think with that defense that the Bears have, I'm going to pick the Bears, but I don't like it. I don't like picking the Bears in this situation, but I'm going to with that defense. With the, lay the, with the way the that the Lions offense and Matt Stafford has played this year. I don't know. I'm going to go with the Bears, but I don't like it. If I were a better, I would stay away from that game if you were a sports gambler. Redskins at Cowboys. Now, what's funny is I've looked at some of my predictions and every game that I've predicted uh, that's involved the Cowboys this season, I've gotten wrong. Whenever I pick, I picked the Falcons last week. The Falcons lost. Uh, I picked the Cowboys over the Titans a couple weeks ago. The Cowboys lost. It's, I always get this wrong. And the Redskins are going to be without Alex Smith. And I just don't, I just don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to win this game. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Probably going to end up being wrong somehow. Cowboys will find a way to lose and screw up my predictions. And I'm a Cowboys fan, so I don't want them to lose. Um, But I'm going to go with the Cowboys. That's a smart choice. Redskins are without Alex Smith. They've got Colt McCoy in there. Chris Thompson is still injured for the Redskins. He's been out several weeks in a row. And... Cowboys have played a much better with Amari Cooper in the lineup. Zeke has been much more effective. The offensive line has played a lot better. And defensively, Leighton Vander Esch. Oh my gosh. 
defensive rookie of the year, in my opinion. He has played amazing. So I'll take the Cowboys over the Redskins. And then 8.30, the Falcons taking on the Saints in New Orleans. It's going to be a really desperate game for the Falcons. They really need it if their playoff chances are going to stay alive. Sitting at, I believe, 4-6 and six on the season. They need this one, but the Saints are just so good. If they blow, if they blow out the Eagles, I think they're going to blow out the Falcons. Point, period, point blank. The Saints, I think, are just going to dominate this game. And so my predictions for Thanksgiving Day, Bears over Lions, but tentatively, I don't like it. Cowboys over Redskins, although I feel like I'm going to lose that one too. And then the Saints over the Falcons, which I feel pretty strongly about. And then, like I said, we will do the other primetime predictions for the Sunday and Monday games on Friday for episode 43. All right, so now we're going to shift to the NF, or sorry, the NBA. Uh, it's usually flipped. We usually start off with some, some with some NBA headlines, and then we shift to the NFL. But we're we're doing it backwards this week. Um, but I just want to talk about Steph Curry for a minute. The Warriors have played really poorly since Steph Curry's been out. We've seen some beef between KD and Draymond, and. You know, they just haven't played well. And I think this really proves Steph Curry's value to the Golden State Warriors. With Steph Curry in the lineup, this team is unbeatable. But if you take Steph Curry out, the most important player on that team, Kevin Durant can't lead a team. He can't he can't shoot. He can't score. He doesn't play defense. He can't do anything. He cannot lead a team with several all-stars around him to victories against teams like the Clippers and and other teams. And it's really concerning because we know Steph Curry has had some injury troubles in the past. And if he's going to be out for extended periods throughout the season, the Warriors are going to lose games. And this proves that Steph Curry is the guy on the Warriors. Kevin Durant's not the guy. Kevin Durant may have had a better series in the finals, but if you take Steph Curry out of those games, there's no way the Warriors win the finals. There's no way. I think the Cavs without Kevin or without Steph Curry, I think there's a chance they could push the Warriors to six or seven games and even win. I just don't think KD is as good of a leader and as a player. He's just not as good without someone else around him. He needs a player that is very ball dominant to be with him. Kevin Durant's a sensational scorer. He's one of the best scorers we've ever seen with his size and his length. But when when one of the league's best passers, one of the league's best shooters is off the court, he gets very ball centric. And he doesn't move the ball and he fires up shots that doesn't that don't need to be fired up and he plays too much ISO ball. And if you put Steph Curry in the lineup, there's gonna be much more ball movement. 
the team's going to play much better. And they're going to win games. Steph Curry is the engine that makes the Warriors train go. He's been that guy since he came into the league. He is a transformative player. He he changed the league. He's one of the seven or eight guys in NBA history who changed the sport. And he is he is the guy on the words. He is the man. And as much as that may hurt Kevin Durant's ego, he may not like to admit that. He knows that Steph Curry is the man on the Warriors. And I think Kevin Durant has got one foot out the door already. And quite frankly, I think if you took Durant off the Warriors, I think the Warriors would actually be better. Now they're not going to be as talented, but I think they're going to they're going to move the ball better. I'm not sure if it's Draymond going to be gone at the end of the year or Durant, but I I feel like Durant wants to be the man and knows he can't be in Golden State and he's going to leave. I really believe that. Steph Curry is an extremely valuable player. He's the most valuable player on the Warriors and up until he got hurt, he was making a case for MVP of the league with the way he was playing. I mean, to play that way with Durant around you, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and other guys, Steph Curry is an amazing player, one of my favorite players in the league, and has transformed the league. Uh, LeBron James scored 51 against the Heat the other night, and that was actually LeBron's first win in Miami since, uh, since he left Miami. Yeah, he never won in Miami with the Heat, or I mean with the Cavs. And now he's won with the Lakers, and he he scored 51. Uh, LeBron's proven that he's still the best player in the game, and he's going to be for the foreseeable future. Um, J.R. Smith has, is wanting out of Cleveland. Uh, he re- He told reporters that the team is intentionally tanking, and I think that's terrible for the NBA. That a team intentionally tanks. And with the way the draft is set up, I don't think tanking really helps. I don't think it's really going to help much. Because it's a lottery-based draft. And if you have the worst record, you've got the you got the highest percentage of getting the first pick, but it's no guarantee. It's not like the NFL where the team with the worst record is going to get the first pick. So I just I just don't like tanking. I don't like it. I think it's bad for the sport. And it makes it unwatchable, really. And teams lose money because of that. And I would want out too if I'm J.R. Smith because I want to I want to win. I don't play the game to, to lose intentionally. Draft picks, draft picks aren't that valuable in the NBA. They're not guaranteed to get you that star. There's more busts in the NBA than there are in the NFL. Now, granted, it's a seven-round draft versus a two-round draft. But, I mean, the draft picks just aren't that valuable. And it takes, unless you're a LeBron James or someone like that, it takes a couple years for a draft pick to actually be 
to 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 see if a draft pick is worth um like that pick, I guess. It takes a couple years for players to develop. I mean, Markel Fultz was a number one pick, and he can't find a shot. He literally has a hitch in his jumper. He pump fakes at the free throw line. He cannot shoot. He cannot shoot, and he's going to see a specialist about his shoulder. So, uh, the, Markel Fultz is a bust in my eyes. As, as soon as he changed his shot, down the drain. He is a he's a bust. He did not work out for the 76ers. And until he finds a shot and fixes that shoulder, fixes that hitch, he's going to be awful. The Wizards, Washington Wizards, I know I'm jumping through a lot of NBA stuff, but it's really just quick topics. They're not really, not really much that I can expand on with these topics, but the Wizards, they've had a terrible start to the season. They're one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. They're open to trading everyone on their roster uh, due to this terrible start to the season. And Bradley Beal and John Wall are players that are not off limits. So the Wizards are looking to clean house, get rid of their stars, and really reboot. I think Bradley Beal would be a good fit on the Lakers. It would give LeBron some shooting. And a guy who can move without the ball, but can also create his own shot. I really like Bradley Beal with the Lakers. I think the Lakers, if they don't have another move in mind, should consider Bradley Beal. John Wall, not sure where John Wall would go. John Wall is a lot like Russell Westbrook. Uh, and Donovan Mitchell, they've got all got similar play styles, but they're really, really fast. They play quick, really athletic, but they're not great shooters, not great scorers. And in a three-point driven league, not sure who's going to want to trade for John Wall, especially since he's a he's a slasher and a guy that likes to get to the bucket. And finally, this isn't NBA news, but it's basketball news. Not even really news. It's just an opinion of mine. Uh, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett for for the Duke Blue Devils, they look nice. They look incredible. And they're if they leave after this season, which I would assume they would, Clear-cut number one and number two pick in the draft. It just just pick your poison, I guess, whoever you want. They're both really, really athletic. Tremendous size, strength. Uh, they, can, they can pass a little bit. They can shoot a little bit. And they're just, their athleticism is unbelievable. And Zion Williamson is getting comparisons to LeBron James. I think we need to pump the brakes on that. I understand that he's really athletic, and LeBron was really athletic coming out of high school. But LeBron is one of the best players of all time. And Zion Williamson doesn't have nearly the skill set that LeBron does. LeBron's a better shooter. LeBron was a better shooter coming out of high school, better passer. Uh, It may not have been as athletic as Zion Williamson, but 
was still a freak. So I think we need to pump the brakes on those comparisons, but those two are nice, and they're going to be superstars in this league. I really, really like them, and I kind of wish, I'm a Lakers fan, I kind of wish the Lakers would uh, had a draft pick this year and were, and didn't have LeBron and were tanking. I'm just kidding. No, I wish we had LeBron. Uh, I'm glad we have LeBron. But I do love Zion Williamson, and I would love to have him on my team. Man, he is so good. All right, guys, that's it for me this Tuesday, Wednesday, rather. It is Wednesday. I, I, don't, I keep saying Tuesday for some reason. I'm so used to doing it on Tuesdays. I don't know. But that is it for me this Wednesday. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. You guys know what to do. Follow me on Twitter at The Will Ford Show. I updated all my cover art on Twitter as well and tweeted that so you can check that out. Make sure you follow my my friend John Croc on Twitter and Instagram at jcroc27 on both jkrak27 to check out some of his latest artwork and, and the things that he's doing. Tremendous artist. Uh, like and comment on SoundCloud. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Happy Thanksgiving to you all and be safe Black Friday shopping. We'll see you Friday with WFS.